Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the podcast for selfless sex and she comes first. I am Dr. Nick Myers. Today is April the 26th, 2022, and I hope you are having a great day. And right off the bat, I have to say thank you guys for joining the Facebook group and the Facebook page. And I have to give a very special shout out to the entire country of the United Kingdom and Ireland. Um, you guys showed up on my list re- recently for new listeners. So I thank you so much for all the shares, the likes, and all that good stuff. So I, one day I hope to return to your beautiful country and just check it out and have a relaxing good time over there. So moving on, today I want to talk to you guys about open relationships and just give you guys a very quick overview of them. For whatever reason, that topic kept appearing in my news feed, even even in my non-sexual news feed. And I just kept hearing about it and seeing it over and over, over and over. So I started to wonder, you know, maybe this is some sort of sign or something. So let's talk about that today. So let me start this podcast off with a overall general question. What is an open relationship? And it's defined as an intimate relationship that is sexually non-monogamous. And apparently, it's becoming more popular as the years have gone by. Way back in 2012, the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior found out that around 4% of the respondents reported being in open relationships. So if you think about it like this, I believe that study had around 50,000 people in it. So that's a good, good amount of people. And at the same time, it's already 10 years old. So the terminologies may have changed. So now I'm thinking about phrases like friends with benefits and things like that. And I wonder if that would be included within the realm of being in an open relationship. And to turn the page, from what I've been reading and from what I understand, there seems to be three main types of open relationships. And of course, there are subgroups called multi-partner relationships and hybrid relationships. But generally speaking, there seems to be three main types. First, let's start with swinging. And when people swing, they are generally in a committed relationship and engaged with sexual activities with with other people at the same time. And for them, they tend to view swinging as a recreational activity or a social activity they can do with friends. And they generally tend to believe that swinging is much better and much more honest than cheating. So they view this form of sexual activity as a healthy outlet for their sexual needs and desires. And at the same time, they typically feel that swinging strengthens their overall relationship. At number two, we have an open marriage. And the people in this relationship, they consent to their partners entering in or engaging in romantic or sexual relationships with other people. So in this case, there's also that emotional element added in there as well. And number three, we have polyamory. 
In polyamory, it's a practice of having more than one intimate relationship at a time with, with the knowledge and consent of everyone involved. And I'm just going to read this for clarity. While open relationship is sometimes used as a synonym, synonym for polyamory or polyamorous relationship, the terms are not synonymous. The open and open relationship refers to the sexual aspect of the relationship, whereas polyamory refers to allowing bonds to form, which may be sexual or otherwise, as additional long-term relationships. One of the more obvious questions that tends to arise from time to time is that why would people even think about or enter into an open relationship. And of course there are reasons and they are as follows. Liking someone else but not wanting to end your old or current relationship. Being non-monogamous by nature, whereas you hear people say that I'm just born this way or I'm naturally not a monogamous person. One partner in a relationship realizing that they will be unable to fulfill the other partner's sexual needs or desires varying sex drives between partners, the enjoyment of that new relationship energy, being able to meet other couples and individuals with a similar outlook with whom the participants can connect with on an intellectual or an emotional level and distance because of work circumstances or being deployed or something else, a couple, a married couple may have to live apart from time to time but they don't want to lose each other. So they will have needs, i.e. sexual needs. They agree to open up their relationship so that partner can have that need satisfied. So when the time comes and they are able to be back together face to face, they will most likely dissolve that agreement. Now here's something I found really interesting. Many of the people that I know who are in open relationships tend to have a set of rules, a guide, or boundaries that they both must agree to prior to engaging in any sort of sexual activity. Like for example, it's kind of like a who, what, where, and when you, you can engage in this in sexual activity, meaning both, both partners must agree not to have sex within the city limits of where they live, and even just to bring it even home even more, they must agree on something like the husband will not try to have sex with his wife's sister. See what I mean? Things like that. And also there is usually some sort of an agreement on what sexual activities can take place. And a big no-no I've heard over and over again is kissing, where neither partner is allowed to kiss someone else on the lips because that is so much more of an intimate activity. And Another big one that I really agree with is the use of safer sex activities like wearing condoms and using dental dams just to be safe. And in many cases, if they are not using any sort of protection, it is frowned upon. It's generally agreed that the male will not ejaculate inside the other female. I've heard that many times too. And finally, they may have an agreement on where these sexual activities can take place. So. In many cases, they may have a playroom within the house. I've heard of that before. And on the flip side, they can only engage in sexual activities when they when they are in a hotel with other people or other couples or whatever. 
But yeah, they're typically a set of guidelines that are agreed upon by people involved in an open relationship. So next, I want to talk about the pros and cons of being in an open relationship. Pretty much with anything you do nowadays, there are pros and cons involved. So I want to start with some of the cons first. And right off the bat, I would have to say pressuring your partner into an open relationship. And that's never a good thing. Because the person with a non-monogamous ideal may try to pressure or convince their partner that, okay, you can stay monogamous, but I'm going to go out here and do my thing on the side. And at the same time, if you find somebody, that's great too. But that's not an agreement. That's pressuring someone to agree to something they really don't want to be in. So it's almost like it's an ultimatum without being one. So that's never a good thing. The second con I want to mention is jealousy. And according to a study from 1971, those who identified as swingers, approximately 80% of them reported feeling jealous at one time or another. And they said that just the appearance of the third person could be enough to trigger them to feel jealous. And at the same time, if you think about it like this, maybe throughout their entire life, they never had a jealous bone in their body until this third person showed up. And number three, I have to mention sexually transmitted infections because yes, they can happen, but I gotta say this though, my personal friends who are who are in open relationships, they get tested the most. Out of everyone I know, they get tested the most. And on the off chance, if an STD does show up within their playgroup or in their relationship, they get it taken care of immediately because they don't want to spread it to other people within their playgroup. And at the same time, I can say this too, they are very diligent about maintaining their safer sex activities. That can, include, that, that can include condom use, using dental dams, saran wrap, finger cots, whatever. And to take it a step forward, a percentage of them are now taking PrEP to decrease the chance that they will acquire HIV. And I applaud them from top to bottom. That's amazing. So let me say this again. If on the off chance that an STD does show up, they get it treated as soon as possible. No questions, no joke. They don't play around. And the fact that they are now taking PrEP, which is even better, I applaud them so much. So as I close out this podcast, I just want to touch on some of the positive outcomes from being in an open relationship. And they are as follows. Number one, couples report a high level of sexual satisfaction. Number two, couples report a high level of satisfaction in their relationship. And those who are married, they say that having an open marriage has increased their marital satisfaction. So I'm not gonna sit here and poo-poo or juck someone else's yum. You guys found, you guys seem to be extremely happy. So you know what? Go ahead and do the damn thing. Enjoy yourself. You only get one shot at this life, 
so please enjoy it. As a matter of fact, it almost seems like that you guys found the holy grail. You guys got the trifecta. Great sex, great satisfaction in your relationship to the point where it actually increased your your satisfaction. Come on now. What more do you want in life? So I said, go ahead and do your thing. So the question I have for the rest of you out there is this. Have you ever considered being in an open relationship? That's the question. So on that note, I'm out. You guys have a great day. Stay tuned.